Podcast world, holy shit! So here's the thing. So I thought last week that uh, when I talked about the uh, heavyweight division fighting uh, last weekend, I was in, I was incorrect. The fights are actually this weekend. So we already have uh, Alistair Overeem and uh, and Volkov fighting this weekend. So obviously we got some really good fights coming up. Sorry guys for making that mistake. I was getting ready to go on a hunting trip. Had stuff going on. Messed up my dates. It is what it is. But uh, I've already broke that fight down. I've already broke up, broke broke down. You know, uh, the return of the legend of Franken Edgar against Corey Sanhagen. I did that in the last episode. But for some fucking reason, I can't get over the one fifty five pound division in the UFC. Which, of course, you know, if you guys are are, you, are fans of MMA, that's the lightweight division. So much has been going on. There's so much speculation, so much talk between the from the fighters, from from everything. So it, you know what? Actually, I want to take a little step back. I'm actually really happy that I broke down the uh, the art of the of the check kick because I just I was just listening to the most recent uh, Joe Rogan podcast, and they brought up the leg kick. Not that not only the leg kick, but the calf kick. But yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty cool. I feel cool that they actually brought that up, and I was able to get that out before he did. I don't know. It's just a little thing for me, I, a little personal win, I guess. But man, I, I just want to bring something up. Fighters are emotional people, super emotional people. These guys train for weeks on end, months on end, maybe even years. Because you know what, I'm going to get into that because you know what, I think someone's been training for a few years for a certain opponent. We'll get into that later. But, uh, so I'm going to get into uh, the Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler fight. Brought this up before. Sorry guys, I know I'm bringing multiple things up, but just little details have, have shown, have occurred. And I, I feel like it's worth revisiting. Uh so, so obviously we know Michael Chandler knocked out Dan Hooker inside the first round uh, at two, UFC 257. Uh, Dan Hooker, like I said, fighters are emotional beings. Dan Hooker stated he feels like he wasted four months of his life after the first round KO loss. Listen, I, I, like if you've never been inside of a cage and fought somebody... Or inside of a ring and fight anybody. A loss like that hurts hurts a fighter's soul. Um, that's when you kind of just sit back and you, and you think, "Am I, you know, what? Why am I doing this?" And that's exactly what happened to Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker took his gloves off after the fight, which is a uh, it's a sign of retirement. Um, a lot of uh, wrestlers in, at, at the Olympic level they'll, they'll leave their their wrestling shoes on the mat. It's just, it's just, it's a symbolic. It's symbolic to retirement. I'm done. I've already accomplished what I want to accomplish. But um, 
in this case, for Dan Hooker, he's not retiring. The dude's only experiencing frustration. He took his gloves off. He's like, man, fuck, this was, this was rough. You know, he was just getting those damn gloves off. So, and, and I listened to a podcast, or a podcast or interview, whatever you want to call it. It was a YouTube deal. And, and he brought that up. He was like, man, you know, I went, went to my fucking hotel and sat there and thought, man, why am I doing this? Why am I sitting here putting my body on the line? Why am I fighting? And then he realized, well, shit, it's all I'm good at. And, and in all honesty, you, you got you to gotta realize something. that So you have athletes in all other sports. You have athletes in baseball and, and soccer and football. And, yes, they, they they start it from, you know, shit, what, five years old? You play fucking coach pitch or t-ball, whatever, peewee football. And, and you, you build your way up. And, you know, and and then maybe you go to high school, get play in high school. Maybe you get a fucking scholarship, continue playing, but... Mixed martial arts isn't like that. It's the most personable sport ever. You literally, it is you versus everybody else. Yeah, you have a team. Yeah, you have a coach. You have all that. But when it all comes down to it, it is just you in that cage. And shit, Dan Hooker, you know, whenever I listen to his his interview, ah, uh, man, shit, I wish I would have, I wish I could play. I, I got to get better at this podcasting thing, guys. It's just when I listen to him speak, I, it's it's almost like every loss I ever had when I was wrestling in high school, the one loss I had whenever I fought MMA, it it or the gosh, I really didn't lose much in judo, but it literally you you sit there and you think, man, I put all this time in just to get beat like that, and then in Dan Hooker's scenario because he's a professional fighter he's doing this at the highest level he he realizes well this is the only thing i'm good at the dude's got to eat right i mean these guys put more than they they literally leave a piece of themselves inside that cage every time they fight and that's why i love this sport anyone that sits there and tells me oh man mma is just a hobby or anything like that. Man, these guys literally leave a piece of themselves inside that octagon every time they show up. Off my soapbox. All right, let's just get back into it. So Dan Hooker has now lost two fights in a row. And both of those fighters, so he, he lost, to, of course, our uh, guys knocking on the, on the uh, door for a title shot, Dustin Poirier. And he lost to now Michael Chandler, which I've been seeing some things online that it seems like Michael Chandler is kind of like Dana White's golden boy for some reason. I don't buy that for shit. Dana White signed Dustin Chandler because that dude earned that spot. He finally entered the UFC. We'll get we'll get into that, but let me just break this down. Michael Chandler's a game ass opponent. He knocked out Dan Hooker. And inside of one round, when it took Dustin Poirier five rounds to finish him. All right, cool. But what the fuck is next for Dan Hooker? Dan Hooker is a beast of a fucking fighter. He's long, he's lanky, he's game as fuck. And obviously he can go five rounds of the best of them, which he showed with Dustin Poirier. <sighs> In my opinion, 
I think the next opponent for Dan Hooker, if if I was a matchmaker, if I was to make a fight happen right now, I think we should bring Tony Ferguson in there. Tony Ferguson's also coming off of two losses. And then now that we have the entrance of Michael Chandler in the division post-fight with Dan Hooker, uh, Dan Hooker is now outside of the top five. Michael Chandler skyrocketed himself from unranked into the rankings, which, I mean, technically he he could have been ranked. I mean, you know, if you think about it, if you brought a fighter in from somewhere that's, you know, really fucking good. But anyways, I'm not going to get into that. Whatever. He earned the spot. Dan Hooker's now outside. He's ranked outside of the top five. Perfect spot for him and Tony Ferguson to fight. And and listen, I'm a Tony Ferguson nut hugger. I love Tony. Broke my heart when Justin Gaethje beat him. And it definitely broke my heart when Charles Lavera beat him. But these both these fighters are, are just in such a good position to actually fight each other. But if one of them were to get a win, that gets them back in the title contention. There's no way it doesn't. At this point, I mean, let's say... I don't know where Tony's ranked at this point after those two losses, but I guarantee you Dan Hooker's ranked number six. And maybe Tony's ranked seven or eight, but you beat either fighter beats each other. They both get skyrocketed back in with a fight with someone that's in the top five. And then after that, guaranteed title shot. And you know what? Tony Ferguson is the man, I think, to surprise everybody, make an amazing comeback and possibly fight for a title. He's older. Uh, I'm a Tony Ferguson nut hunger. I know it. I want to see Tony fight for the title. That is my biased opinion. But let me just... Let's bring it back to Dan Hooker. So Dan Hooker, in that same interview, uh, I highlighted this. He was, uh, the interview that, you know, he talked about the fact that, you know, he took his gloves off after the fight, you know, asked why he's doing this, all that stuff. He was asked about Conor McGregor. Um, in my opinion, like, that's a pretty damn good question. Because now if you think about it, you know, Conor McGregor, after that devastating loss to Dustin Poirier, um, the dudes only actually had one victory inside the 155 pound division. He, you know, he's got one win, one loss at 170, and he's undefeated at 145. Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor at this point can't make 145. He just can't do it. Remember seeing him in, the, in those old weigh-ins? I mean, I wouldn't call him old. It was, you know, 2013, 2014. You know, he looked absolutely drained. I don't think today that he could make that, and also with his motivation level, absolutely not. But anyways, Dan Hooker was asked about Conor McGregor in that interview as a possible next opponent. And he literally dismissed it and called everybody out. How can you not love this dude for doing that? He doesn't give a fuck about the title. He doesn't give a fuck about who he fights. He doesn't give a fuck about the, about the, the paycheck in the end. Because he literally dismissed the... Uh, quote-unquote, red panty night with Conor McGregor. The dude just wants to fight. And you know what? And that's what's got him up to now the top 10 in in the division. You know, he was top 5 before, you know, Michael Chandler burst into the scene. But, shit, man. 
Dan Hooker, you gotta love the dude. He's literally willing to fight anybody at 155. I mean, hell, he stepped to the fight to fight Michael Chandler. People are turning that fight down, just like Charles Oliveira. He turned that fight down. Granted, timing and all that was, you know, in play, but Dan Hooker stepped up, took the fight, didn't work out for him. A lot of respect to that dude. Sucks he's got to now uh, drop in the rankings, but hey, man, that's the fight game. And 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 like I said when I introduced this damn podcast, I can't get over the lightweight division. We have now uh, a lot of just talk between fighters and, you know, interviews and things that are happening because everyone wants to know what's next. Michael Chandler is... He, he he's spracking off. You know, he, he has a reason to. He he just beat Dan Hooker, who was ranked number five in the UFC. Dustin Poirier knocked out Conor McGregor in the first round, all of that. And when his when Michael Chandler versus Dustin Poirier kind of got asked to to Dustin Poirier, you know, as his next opponent, his response was, Hey, that dude hasn't earned a spot. I'm not interested in that fight. I may have brought that up in the last podcast. I'm not sure, but and, and in my opinion, I thought that was kind of a good, you know, good argument. But then again, you know, Michael Chandler had this quote, and you know what? It's almost a 50-50 deal. I'm just gonna go ahead and read the exact quote from, from Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler stated after his well, for his response to Dustin Poirier's uh statement was don't use the phrase hasn't earned it around me. Now, I just came into your organization. I just came to to the top five, kicked the door down, knocked out a guy in two and a half minutes that you couldn't finish in 25 minutes. And I think I cemented myself as a top guy. I have earned it in the UFC. Have I earned it in the UFC yet? No. But if that's the case, I'm not going to earn it in the UFC standards for the next 10 fights. The guy's got 26 fights in the UFC. At what point do I earn it? I, 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 can't, I can't disagree with Michael Chandler. The dude's been fighting top, top contenders in, in, in Bellator. I mean, listen. Let's stop treating the UFC as... Uh, I... It's hard to say to stop treating the UFC as like the top competition or whatever, dude. This is this is fighting. These are two men in a cage or two women in a cage. Oh, I can't wait to get into that later. Um, literally inflicting damage on one another. Yes, there is levels to this game, but Bellator's level and the UFC's level that. Those fighters can literally jump back and forth between between both uh, promotions and and find success. Uh, Michael Chandler is is a prime example. Yes, he he was knocked out in his last his last fight in Bellator, but look what he just did. He literally walked into the UFC and knocked out a top five contender, a more than likely title. I guess because we have Habib in the in the scenario, but we have a definitely a title contender that he knocked out within the first round. 
regarding, you know, of course, Dustin and and Connor. But after beating uh after beating Dan at 257, I just I just see his point. He put the dude away in one round. Maybe Dustin's quote was just recently about him take, trying to take a back seat to watch Chandler and Oliveira fight for the title, which in my opinion isn't such a bad idea. Let me repeat that. Maybe Dustin Poirier's quote about not wanting to fight Michael Chandler was for him to take a back seat and watch Charles Oliveira fight for the title. Yes, I think that would be amazing. To have Michael Chandler versus Charles Oliveira fight for the title. And Dustin is seemingly wanting to do that that trilogy fight between him and Conor McGregor, which I disagree with. It's such a risk, dude. You already beat Conor. You're on top. The way fights go is, what have you done for me lately? And Dustin Poirier, he's the man right now. You're going to give Conor McGregor another chance. To be the man, take your limelight, and let's say Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira do go and fight for a belt. They fight for the belt, you take a back seat, you go for the payday, you go try to fight Conor McGregor. And what if Conor McGregor actually starches you? Because you know what? The beginning of that round, the first the beginning of the first round, Conor McGregor was putting it on Dustin. So it's gonna be a risk. Those calf kicks were great. I guarantee you Conor McGregor's corner, his team will make adjustments. There's no way you can't make adjustments after that fight. It was clearly, it was clear as day what happened. You got your fucking leg kicked off. It is what it is, dude. So, yeah, this fight number three is going to be a much tougher fight. Regardless, if you go run out, get your red panty night, and then uh, watch Michael Chandler and and, uh, Charles Oliveira fight. But, Regardless, dude, you know what? Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira, that's a fucking an interesting fight. I would love to watch that. Same with the fact that I'd love to watch Dustin Poirier fight uh, Charles Oliveira. I think it'd be a much more competitive fight between uh, Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira. I think with Michael Chandler thrown into that, I think uh, I don't. I, I think that's gonna that fight would probably be over in the first three rounds. If uh, Michael Chandler does exactly what he did to to, to uh, uh, Dan Hooker, but but who knows? We we you guys got to realize Chandler is a multi-time world champion from Bellator. Charles Charles Oliveira is a fucking beast. If you beat my boy Tony like that, just like Justin Gaethje did, dude. All right, your game is fucked. But regardless, let's just play matchmaking. Chandler versus Oliveira. If let let me break, let me step back a little second. If Dustin chooses not to fight Michael Chandler, you have Chandler versus Justin. Amazing fight for a belt because you know what you can make the argument that Justin Gaethje he should get it get another crack at the belt now that uh, Habib is is gone. Listen, guys. Habib is gone. I'll get into that in this podcast as well. But what about Justin Gagey versus Charles Oliveira? That's another fight I'd be I'd be absolutely excited to see. Charles Oliveira either gets the title shot against Dustin or 
gets a fight with number one or number two, or, well, I guess, depending on the way the rankings are right now, it's so funky because we just have a Habib on top who's who, who's not coming back for for whatever reason. Well, we know what reason. It's, you know, he lost. All right, I'll stop. Let me slow down. Get ahead of myself. Basically, the lightweight division has so many good matchups with Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler and Justin Gaethje and and Dustin Poirier. It just who's going to sign the dotted line? Who's going to do it? So I haven't really brought up Charles Oliveira very much. So I want to go ahead and just bring up why he's a legitimate contender for the belt. And I'm going to call it the vacant belt because I don't think Habib's coming back. So as of uh, February 1st, he turned down a fight against Michael Chandler, which, in my opinion, is it's a good idea because, listen, the dude just beat Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson's the fucking man. Besides the fact that Justin Gaethje literally demolished him, which, once again... Breaks my fucking heart. And then Charles Oliveira did what he did to Tony. The dude's obviously a number one contender. May not be, he may not be the ranked number one contender, but dude is, in my opinion, we'll call him Baby Tony. The reason I want to call him Baby Tony is because Tony Ferguson went on a 14 win win streak, was just murking everybody, doing crazy shit, and no one was talking about him. Charles Oliveira, at this point in time, as I am speaking into this microphone that I am not very good at doing, Charles Oliveira is on an eight-fight winning streak. His last loss was to the man, the myth, the legend, the commentator, the Irish dragon, Paul Felder. Sorry I had to say that because you know what? Paul Felder deserves every bit of that type of introduction. So, we have, with Charles Oliveira, he's a, he has five wins by choke, two wins by TKO, a unanimous decision against Tony Fer, a very game Tony Ferguson. He is very dangerous with submissions. He could, could pose a huge problem for Michael Chandler, because how dangerous he is on the ground, yet he still turned that fight down. He turned that fight down because he knows he deserves a title shot. Why not, after what Dustin Poirier stated that he wants the trilogy with Conor McGregor, to just say, hey, fuck it, you know what? Let Charles and let uh, Chandler fight for the fucking uh, title. Fuck it, I'll sit back, I'll make my money, beat Conor again, and then show up. What a good business fucking move. (sighs) I think it's great. But let's go through... Uh, like I said, I was highlighting Charles Oliveira. So let's go ahead. And I want to. I want to go through his his uh, his little winning streak. You know, after his last loss to uh, Paul Felder. So we all had. We all already talked about it. Charles Oliveira fought uh, Tony Ferguson. Unanimous decision. Unanimous decision. And not only that, he hyperextended Tony's arm so far. I almost cried for Tony. In my, if that was my arm or any other human's arm, it, it was broken. But for some reason, Tony Ferguson is just made out of a 
different material, and uh, he he weathered that fight and and made it through three rounds and uh, and lost. Charles Oliveira then fought Kevin Lee, and he subbed Kevin Lee in the third round by a guillotine choke. Once again, I brought up he poses some dangerous dangerous problems for Michael Chandler with those chokes. A guillotine choke. Okay, so. It's a very basic choke, but if at this level you're hitting those against high-level contenders like Kevin Lee, dude, that is unreal. Because a guillotine choke is one of those chokes that early on in your jiu-jitsu stages, and it's a very, you know, you, you learn how to defend it and all of those things, and it just becomes basic, you know, I would say... Uh, Oh, I was trying to think of the word, but basically you just, it, it's in your, it's in your toolbox and it's like, it, it just, once you get put in it, you know exactly what you need to do to get out of it. But he finished a game as Kevin Lee in March 14th last year with a guillotine choke. And then he fought Jared Gordon before that when, uh, oh, when Blackowich, I think he knocked out Jacare. Anyways. Finishes that with punches. Obviously, he's uh, he's a game dude. He he can he can submit you. He can and he can also fucking KO or TKO you. He beat Nick Lentz, who just recently retired, and then he had an anaconda choke on David uh, Tamer, and then going back down another choke against Jim Miller. I don't know if you guys know about Jim Miller. Jim Miller is a fucking beast, and you know what that dude? He's like a he might be a 50-50 fighter in the UFC, but goddamn, that dude can't have a non-entertaining fight. But in, the, in that case, he didn't get uh, choked in round one. And then a couple more guys that uh, you don't really know about. But then there's also the uh, another guillotine choke, or guillotine choke, uh, against Clay Guida. So those are all wins from Charles Oliveira. So we have... One, two, three, four, five submissions, one unanimous decision, and two wins by KO or TKO. Obviously, this dude can do it all. Give him the shot. Send him to Dustin Poirier. I hope Dustin Poirier says, yes, let's do this shit because, god damn it, dude, I don't want to see him fight Conor McGregor. I don't like that fucking trilogy. I would rather see Conor McGregor fight uh, Nate Diaz again. 100%. That fight, take my money. Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor, nah. It, Dustin's way too game. He's way too good. And guess what? As of right now, he is definitely calling the shots. You know what? It's more like a, like a fucking Joe Rogan podcast. I'm sipping my drink finally. Nope. Like I said... Dustin's calling the shots. He has no issue taking a backseat, letting the belt go to either Charles Oliveira, Justin Gagey, for the Connor for the uh, Connor trilogy. It's a great business move. You want money? I mean, hell, Connor donated money to his foundation. Um, the fact that Connor brings more eyes to the television than anyone else, which really fucking chaps my ass, because Connor's not that fucking great. And Dustin and Nate are both two fighters that have proven that. And, and you know who else proved that? 
Habib, the greatest of all time, in a lightweight division. I don't want to do a uh, a goat conversation just yet, but damn right, he's in that conversation. Oh, excuse me, he's in that conversation. And then, and then I, you know, Dustin's also besides the Connor trilogy, he's also open to fighting Nate Diaz. Which, once again, it's not really a bad move. Well, actually, it is a bad move. You're knocking on the on the door for a title shot, and and, and you're gonna sit here and say, "Oh, I'll fight. I'm gonna fight Nate Diaz at 155 when you're about to have gold again." Which also makes me happy with Dustin because it goes to show that he really doesn't care about the belt. He just cares about his charity and what he's fighting for, which there's so much respect there for that. I, I really like that. But I think Dustin's looking for a payday before he gets that crack at the belt. I think that's why he wants to sit back and watch. And it, if he, it, it's a risk because he took damage against Connor and Nate Diaz is. It, he Nate Diaz, if he shows up on the right night, he will fucking beat the brakes off of you. So it's a risk, but it's also got high reward. And then, if I really think about it, when I throw these three names in together, so we think about the three names: Dustin, McGregor, Diaz, Nate Diaz. At that, not getting into Nick right now. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that Nick wants to make a comeback or talk about that. Alright, I'm I'm not gonna go A to D on y'all. So we in my opinion, Dustin needs to stay away from these trilogy fights. Well, trilogy fight or money fight with, with Nate. Dustin, you got your, your hot sauce business, it's sold out, you're making your money, you're donating to your, your foundation, you're doing good. Stay the fuck away from Nate Diaz or Connor. Why do I think that? It's because you have a shot at the belt. You have a shot at gold. And that shot at gold, because I believe you are the man to beat at 155. You are the man to beat. I don't think with without Habib being in the division, ain't none of them motherfuckers gonna touch you. And... I understand going for, for the money fight, but if you really think about it, let's say you defend that but that belt three times. Dude, you're gonna make more money than fighting Nate or Connor by defending that belt. And on top of that, the the real fight that makes more sense than you versus Connor or you versus Nate is Nate versus Connor. That fight makes way more sense at 155. Both of the both of their last fights took place at 170. So let's go ahead. Let you know what that Walter Wait, they're one and one. Let's go ahead. Let's see what's up. Let's let these two fight. Let them make their money and make their entrance into the either the top ten or the top five of the lightweight division. And make things interesting. Connor has only won one fight. One fight at lightweight. Don't forget about that, guys. He's made all of this attention, all this attention he made 
uh, you know, with with the throwing the dolly through the bus window, the all of the shit talking at 145, and then all right, I'm gonna go be a double champ, champ, all that shit. The only fight he's won at lightweight was the champ champ fight with him and fucking Frank, not Frankie Edgar, Eddie Alvarez. So he won his champ champ belt from, of course, Eddie Alvarez at 155. And after that, he hasn't won one damn fight at 155. What the hell? I guess he's a draw. Conor McGregor's a draw. Yes, he's a game ass fighter. I guess I could break him down for a while. I mean, I'm not a McNugget hugger, but I respect what he's done for the for the MMA community because he's he has every he has all the highest gates in pay per view and you know sold out arenas just because of who he is. But once again, I just think him versus Nate Diaz three at one fifty five is just. A better, a better fight at this point, and then and then you got to think about it this way. Both fighters, him and Diaz, are coming off of a loss. You know, he lost against you know Dustin Poirier, of course, and and uh, and Diaz lost against uh, Jorge Masvidal. You know, it's a just to analyze. This is a really big. It's a bigger opportunity for the UFC to, to sell some tickets. You could make that a easy, easy pay-per-view fight. No belts on the line. Get some fighters in there that are uh, up-and-comers. And, and, and everyone's going to buy that damn pay-per-view. All in all, this whole conversation revolves around Dustin Poirier. The dude has earned his spot for the belt. He he is in one hell of a position. Even with Habib holding up the division. Because, listen. Habib Nurmagomedov is holding up the lightweight division. I don't care what anyone says. He's the GOAT. I get it. He's getting his time with the belt. He's getting his time to wear that fucker around in his kitchen while he's cooking his breakfast or cooking his lunch, whatever the hell, playing with his cat. I don't give a fuck. The dude's holding up the division. He is a beast. He is the he is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, lightweight of all time. He will beat the brakes off of the top ten, the top five, the top twenty in the lightweight division. But all in all, dude, you're holding up the division. And Dustin being in the position that he's at, he can call the fucking shots. So he's going to do exactly what I just mentioned. Either him versus uh, Connor or him versus Nate. Whatever that's going to happen there. And then now that I bring Habib up, I'm going to take a sip of this uh, delicious drink. By the way, I had a, an amazing fucking chili I made tonight. Fucking delicious. I'm just going to tell you all that because, well, because I don't care. It's a fucking podcast and hell, I get fucking 20, you know, views of this shit anyways. There's a fucking rumor out there that uh, was just kind of brought up through 
the good old John Anik and uh, Kenny Kenflo Florian. If you guys know who that is, another uh, lighter weight fighter and uh, tough uh, veteran. Habib versus George St. Pierre GSP. Oh, uh, man. I would love that fight to happen, and at the same time, I don't. Am I excited for it? Yes and no. Would I watch it if it if it was actually a true rumor? Fuck yeah, I'd watch that. It's fucking GSP and fucking Habib. You're talking about the greatest fighter of all time, in my opinion, which is Georgia St. Pierre. So... On on the on a podcast, the Anakin Florian podcast, this rumor was leaked. Um, and and Kenny Florian is a very high level fighter, very high level commentator. Uh, I haven't heard him commentate for the UFC for a while, but this dude's got connections in the MMA community at the highest level. He stated that an unnamed coach uh, has. Mentioned to him that GSP is preparing for a uh, return against Habib Nurmagomedov. But, I mean, at the same time, you got to realize GSP is always training for something. The dude's a lifelong martial artist, the Kyokushin Karate. The fact that he was able to pick up wrestling the way that he did in his whole career. I literally wanted to move like GSP whenever I, whenever I was fighting. I wanted to wrestle like GSP even though I was already a wrestler. GSP has fought BJ Penn, Matt Hughes, Matt Serra. Oh shit, I can keep going. Tiago Alves. Uh dude. Listen. Oh, I might I might keep going. GSP's the man. And he, he fought Michael Bisping, even though Michael Bisping had one eye, who is a fucking warrior for doing that. All these wars, they they add up. And GSP is not in his prime anymore. So, you know, GSP's 38 going on 39 versus a prime 32-year-old Habib. It, 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 in my opinion, I've I've noticed that yes, prime in MMA is it started more of a at a later age, but a later age is like your early thirties. I mean, look at Dustin, look at look at Justin. I mean, hell, look at look at Stepe, look at DC. How long DC's lasted? Look at fucking uh, John Jones, who's already a freak, who's considered the goat of all time. You're. Your prime starts a little bit later, and later means not 39 years old. GSP has passed his prime. I don't like this fight with where we're at today. If this fight happened, you know, shit, three years ago, I would have been foaming out the mouth all in. That would have been, been sick. I mean, you gotta realize, you know, GSP, he grew his hair out. Yes, he's still training, but he's not. I mean, then again, yeah, maybe he actually is, because that's how that dude actually presents himself to be. Is he in his prime? No. Have he been in his prime? Yes. But, um, 
I made some notes before uh, Chell Sonnen talked about this fight on his his podcast slash YouTube channel, Bad Guy Inc. It's like, what what's this fight for? And at what weight? GSP has been in so many wars. Uh, these are my notes, not Chael's. I'm just saying that Chael Sonnen brought this up on his on his podcast, YouTube channel. GSP has been in so many wars, at war with, with Johnny Hendricks. I mean, the 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 the, the war with uh, with Carlos Condit. I mean, he's gonna have to get down. You know, he he fought at one seventy. GSP was the greatest welterweight of all time. I don't care. You know what? Kamara Usman's got big shoes to fill. Uh, Tyron Woodley, dude, you're a way backseat driver to do to Georgia Saint Pierre. Regardless of all those the, the, all, all those facts. GSP's had so many fights at 170, and then he went up to, went up to 185 to fight Michael Bisbee. He didn't go down; he went up, and he had the dive Vicker dive. dive oh, it was the the stomach issue. I actually have family that has had that stomach issue. It's horrible, but even with that stomach issue, he was able to fight at 185, not 155 where Habib is at. He went up a weight. Michael Bisping at welterweight or middleweight took that belt to weight champion and on top of his legendary 170 run. But if this fight happened today between GSP and Habib, which is what the rumor is kind of leaning towards, I think Habib runs away with that fight. I, 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 GSP hasn't fought in so long. Ring rust is a thing. And you know what? That's also a thing that uh, I believe Chael Sonnen brought up. Ring rust is a real thing. Don't let that, you know, confuse you with uh, Dominic Cruz saying it's not. Who was the 135-pound uh, champ, all that stuff. I'm not going to Dominic Cruz right now. Or the 135-pound division. Ring rust is a thing. If I try to step into a cage right now, cut weight... Shit, at my weight right now, I'm fat as fuck. If I wanted to cut down to, uh, shit, 170 and try to fight, I would get my ass whipped. I would be completely annihilated. GSP at the highest level, 39 years old, coming back after, what, five years, four years? That's tough going against a guy like Habib. That's tough, uh... That's a tough task. But what also does it let, let's say the fight does happen at 155. GSP, Habib Nurmagomedov at 155. What does that do? Well, in my opinion, it disrespects the division. It disrespects all those lightweight fighters that are literally chomping at the bit to come fight. It disrespects the Dustin Poirier, it disrespects the Justin Gaethje, it disrespects the Charles Oliveira, disrespects all of them. If if GSP just shows up at 155, fights Habib, and and let's say he wins. Let's say he wins. That it like like let's let me let me back up. What is this fight for? How does this fight fit into the lightweight division if it happens at lightweight? 
you know, if you if you have a, a catch weight at one sixty five, fuck it, you know, uh, the belt's not at not at risk. The lightweight division carries on. There's no hold up. We're good to go. But why would GSP come back for a catchweight fight? Why would why would Habib come back for a catchweight fight? There's no there's no uh, logical reason for that. It would have to be for the 155 pound belt to where GSP comes through weight champ. And Habib, it would be the first person to defeat uh, GSP since 2007 when Matt Sarah did it prior to, you know, GSP revenging that. <sighs> so, if it's at 155 and GSP shows up, actually makes weight at 39 years old... Beats Khabib, he will definitely be the first three-weight champ in the UFC, in combat sports, probably history, professionally. Snaps Habib's record at 29-0, so now he'll be 29-1. And he would cement himself as the true GOAT. The absolute true GOAT, John Jones could not have any any argument to say that he is the GOAT because that means GSP in his career has captured three titles at three weights in the UFC, which is the premier mixed martial arts promotion. But will the fight happen at 155? Will GSP have to step in front of Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler. It doesn't make sense. But then again, you know, let's say Habib beats GSP, you know, who's not in his prime. He rides off the sunset and retires, and guess what? He's done, never coming back. He's gone. He's done everything he ever wanted. He solidified himself in his mind as the greatest lightweight of all time. What crazy fucking times are we living in that we're talking about a Habib GSP possible match that's holding up the 155 pound division? In my opinion, Habib, if you're not coming back, don't fucking come back. Say you're not coming back. Give that belt up. Let's move forward. You're the greatest lightweight of all time. I can't sit here and say you're the greatest of all time, but I can say you're the greatest lightweight of all time because you have beat the absolute breaks off of the best lightweights there are today absent of Charles Oliveira, which I would love that fight if you came back and fought Charles. The way that you're able to take everybody down and inflict your pressure, I think with Charles Oliveira's jiu-jitsu, that would be a great matchup, but I don't think we're going to get to see that. <sighs> As I digress... Um, I'm gonna talk some shit here. Uh, I'm not more. I'm not one to shit on people. I've already said that in the last few uh, few podcasts. But I gotta shit on this dude because you know I saw a tweet from Frank Mir 
which is a uh, a fighter that I that I do really really respect. Shit, whenever he fought my, whenever he fought he, I'm, like, I'm talking to him. Whenever he fought uh, Brock Lesnar the first time, I was so happy what he did to him with that submission, and I was rooting for him to beat him again in the second. Even though I know I've known of Brock Lesnar's uh, accolades and NCAA wrestling and, and and his NFL football career, I just didn't care because of his because of his WWF slash WWE persona. I didn't like it, but you know what? Brock Lesnar overall was great for the sport. But uh, yes, uh, Frank Mir. Sorry for digressing. Frank Mir brought up a deal about uh, just keeping this dude's name out your mouth because he's not worth it. Well, unfortunately, this podcast here isn't very fucking popular, so let's go ahead and get into it. Stephen A. fucking Smith. Let's ruffle these fucking feathers. This dude's a fucking bonehead. He needs to keep MMA out of his mouth. Uh, He stated he didn't want to see women's MMA or women inside the octagon. And I also took that as he didn't want to see women boxing either, because this is a combat sport you know, uh, podcast. So obviously if he doesn't want to see women's MMA, he obviously doesn't want to care. He doesn't care about watching women box. Uh, I'm not going to get political politics stay off this podcast, but, uh, he did state he doesn't want to see a woman fight a man. Of course you fucking dummy. Nobody wants to see a woman fight a man. We already understand what the, what the fuck's going to happen there. I mean, of course, we got, you know, the exceptions. I guarantee you, maybe Amanda Nunes at 145 could be... He, she could possibly be one man at 135. It's a possibility. Because she's fucking good and, and has really, you know, studied the disciplines of martial arts. But I'm, I don't care to see that fight. We don't want to make these clown shows happen. These, these circus acts happen. This isn't Russia. This isn't China. This isn't anything... And sorry if I offended anybody by saying China, but it's the truth. Because you know what? In Russia, there was a male-on-female fight that happened. You can Google it, YouTube it, look it up. Sorry, I'm not trying to get going. You know, I'm not trying to go in hard on anybody. But I'm going in hard on Stephen A. Smith, who is so dumb for what he has stated. Listen, here's, here's the deal, Stephen A. Smith. And here's the deal to uh, the combat sports community. His opinion doesn't matter in mixed martial arts, but yet because he's a ESPN analyst, for some reason it it just it just hits the feed, and it's a a big deal. And uh, this dude, this dude needs to stick to basketball and football. Just okay. All right, let me take my step. All right. So every human on this planet has hands, feet, shins, elbows, knees, which are designed. To inflict damage when the moment arises. It is human nature over time that we've had these weapons molded inside of our bodies. And that is just a biological fact. This goes for every human on this planet. And on top of that, we are a civilized people. Well, at least some of us are civilized have turned fighting into a sport. Fighting used to not be anywhere near a sport. Fighting used to be life or death. And what like I said, we are now a civilized society. And there are a few people out there that choose violence and those that do 
now have a place to express it, which is through mixed martial arts. Kind of like how, I guess you would say back in the day, that you'd have your warriors that uh, were out there defending the kingdom or defending the tribe, defending whatever. 1776, defending the United States, whatever. Fighting is in our DNA. And I guarantee you that now that I've stated that every human has those weapons, the hands, the feet, the shins, the elbows, the knees, and the knowledge to use them. Which, of course, when I say every human being, that includes women. So, fuck you, Stephen A. Smith. Don't watch women's MMA. Don't stop. Don't talk about it. Don't even. You don't have the right to talk about it because you don't. Even, you don't know the sport. You don't know the martial arts. You don't know anything about it, dude. Listen, that the, there was a a deal a long time ago that maybe it wasn't that long ago. You 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 were a disappointment in in the MMA community and and to ESPN. Whenever I saw you with a uh, it was an interview. Uh, you're attempting to cover Cowboy versus McGregor with Joe Rogan. And, dude, you had no fucking clue what you were talking about. You were sitting there talking about how Cowboy quit, this and that. And when it was an aged, aging Cowboy and a game McGregor, but you just couldn't fucking figure it out. You just had to find a way to just over criticize a fighter when you have no business talking about mixed martial arts or even boxing because you know what there's some phenomenal female boxers out there and there's some phenomenal bare knuckle female boxers out there kind of like beck rawlings beck rawlings right now is a fucking game woman she used to fight in the ufc but you know what apparently it's not fucking cool for you to watch so you know what dude don't watch uh, Valentina Shevchenko or Amanda Nunes. Don't watch Rose Namajunas. Don't watch Andrea Lee, KGB Lee. Don't watch Courtney King, who had an amazing fight. It was a bloody fight. Uh, man, I don't know what, what division, what the, uh, uh, it was Kayla Harrison. She fought Kayla Harrison was bloody. And you know what? She had heart and kept going. But apparently to Stephen A. Smith, he doesn't want to see any of those things. Apparently women don't have the opportunity to express themselves in the cage and test their skills and techniques as they so please in Stephen A. Smith's world. Uh, Dana White was already proven wrong back in the day. He, he used to say that women's MMA would never be in, in, in the UFC. And then all of a sudden, guess who came in and proved him wrong, which is Ronda Rousey. <sighs> Stephen A. Smith needs to just stay out of combat sports. He needs to stay away from MMA. He needs to stay away from women's MMA. He needs to stay away from boxing, women's boxing. And obviously, because they're not mainstream sports, Stephen A. Smith also needs to stay away from kickboxing, Muay Thai. He needs to stay away from college wrestling. He needs to stay away from Olympic wrestling. Anything that is a combat sport, Stephen A. Smith needs to stay away. The dude is terrible. He doesn't have any opinion that matters. The dude, 
combat sports is another animal to try to cover. If you have not done it, don't talk about it. It's almost like uh, like the old Fight Club uh, motto, you know, you don't talk about Fight Club. What's the first rule about Fight Club? Don't talk about it. In my opinion right now, the way that uh, the world the world stands the first rule is uh Stephen a smith don't talk about combat sports leave it that way go cover the buccaneers uh during the super bowl this weekend don't talk about mixed martial arts don't talk about women's martial arts don't do it you have no point you have you have no you have no leg to stand on because you're already a trash commentator get off the mic go cover some basketball and with that, I wanted to go ahead and end this podcast, but I'm not going to because I want you guys all to realize that actually tomorrow there is going to be a uh, big bare knuckle uh, event. We have uh, UFC's own Paige Van Zant, who of course was released, is uh, fighting in bare knuckle boxing against, I have it ready here, uh, she'll be fighting uh, Britton Hart who actually fought uh, UFC's uh, Beck Rawlings and lost. So I think this is going to be a really cool fight. So apparently uh, at the weigh-ins, Paige Van Zandt and Britton Hart had a little bit of an exchange uh, that happened today. So I guess there is a little bit of an animosity that's uh, occurring between these two females. But I really, I'm really excited to see uh, Paige Van Zandt box, bare knuckle. I, I wonder how she's going to... Uh, I guess transition from the uh, mixed martial arts to the boxing because, I mean, if we really break it down, those gloves really don't do much. I mean, shit, I've been hit with those gloves. And what I mean by those gloves, which is the uh, the four ounce MMA gloves, those gloves really, the, the the history behind it. I mean, of course, it looks better. Um, I guess mainstream wise, there's something actually covering the hands, but really what those those gloves are really for is so you don't break your hand. Um, when you get hit by it, it's literally like getting hit by a bare fist. I don't care anyone says it is. I've been hit by them. I've had six fights. It sucks. It sucks getting hit regardless, even if it is sixteen ounce gloves. But four ounce gloves is pretty much the closest you can get to getting hit with a bare fist. And Paige Van Zant is now going into uh, bare knuckle boxing, where it is literally a taped hand. It's a tape hand. So we're we're gonna see how she uh, how she responds getting hit in uh, bare knuckle boxing. I'm pretty excited about that actually. So it's gonna be a really fun card. Um, I may try and uh, watch it tomorrow. I might go ahead and shut off the cash and actually watch it. And let me give you guys a uh, an honest uh, review of bare knuckle boxing. Uh, but but we'll see. Um, well, shit, man. Uh, I just I just realized that this is absolutely the longest podcast that I have made. Uh, I went kind of Joe Rogan style and had a, had a few drinks while I was recording it. May not have been the best uh, decision, but you know what? I'm getting better and better at trying to talk into this microphone. I'm ready to, uh, hell, I'm ready to bring guests on. I'm ready to do some other things with this damn thing. Uh, I'm 
I enjoy talking mixed martial arts with y'all. I enjoy getting on this microphone and just letting it letting it out. I mean, shit. You know, I have no problem saying Stephen A. Smith, you suck. And I don't mind talking about the uh, UFC's lightweight division. I need to get into other things. I just wish I had the time. I don't know about you guys, but shit, you know, I'm one of those guys that works 9 to 5, which really it's actually more like uh, 9 to fucking 10 sometimes. But, uh, hell, I'm going to try to dedicate more to these podcasts, man. Uh... I really enjoy the fact talking to everybody and, and hopefully you guys give me some, some feedback. Give me some feedback. I know the, you know, some of you guys don't listen this long into a podcast. You know, I'm not fucking Joe Rogan. I'm not hell, whatever your fucking podcast you want to talk about, but you know what? I'm trying to get better and, uh, I need y'all's feedback. Maybe if you guys want to come on to this damn thing and we have a conversation about something, it doesn't have to be, be combat sports i'd like it to be because you know what that's my main that's my main interest that's what i i live and breathe for i i, I don't find uh football basketball or baseball interesting anymore like i did prior to when shit i have not found it relevant to my life since prior to 2006 when i found wrestling and then even before then when it was the first uh forrest griffin Stefan Bonner fight in the uh, first Ultimate Fighter when it was free and I could actually watch on Spike TV. I just stopped giving a goddamn about any sport out there. I just didn't care anymore. Once I found MMA, that was it for me. So, um, with that, I guess we, I, I don't know, if you guys want to talk more about that kind of stuff, I, I'm down. But uh, as of right now, I guess. We're uh, we're an hour into this podcast. We all hearing my annoying ass voice. So uh, at that point, I would like to remind everyone out there that Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs>